I want to talk to you for a few minutes about joy. And we're going to talk about joy, and maybe you think you know what what joy is, and maybe you're confused with happiness and joy because they're two very different things, and and maybe you lost your joy. I, I know a lot of people that have lost their joy in the last season and in the last year and with everything that's gone on, and some people have had deaths, and some people have had just for all different reasons, you know we can lose our joy? Like that's a real thing. God gives us joy. And Jesus said that we have joy and that joy is ours and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to look at that here in a minute. But you can lose your joy. You can walk around with no joy, with an empty joy tank, if you will. Remember, David said, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Like I've lost the spark. David was crying out, God, restore unto me that joy that I once had. That passion, that fire, that joy, that that fuel that keeps us going. I believe today somebody's going to have their joy restored. Circumstances aren't going to change in this 37 minutes now. Your circumstances aren't going to change, right? But you can have joy. You could have come in here with no joy. And in 30 minutes, you can walk out with joy. I believe that. There's this book, and I read some of it. um, And it seems like a pretty good book. I haven't read the whole thing. But um, it's called The Other Half of Church. And in the book, they talk about this 10-year study that was done of the brain. And it was published sometime last year before the pandemic and all this stuff went on. But the study was done by Dr. Alan Shore of UCLA, and it was a 10-year study done. He's a psychologist and a researcher in the field of neuropsychology. He's not a believer or a Christian, so this is a secular study that was done for 10 years over the human brain. And there's a couple of things that they found that were very interesting. Um, And one of the things that they determined in his 10-year study was that the brain is meant to run off of the fuel of joy. That's how they worded it. That the human brain was meant to run off of the fuel of joy or to be fueled by joy. That's how God created your body to work. That your brain runs off of joy. My truck runs off of gasoline. That's what kind of fuel it uses. So if there's no gas in my tank, my truck is not very useful. I can't get anything done. Same with you. You feel like your brain's kind of useless sometimes? Maybe you got an empty joy tank. Hold on, let's look what else they found out. The brain is meant to run off of the fuel of joy. He also discovered that we receive joy primarily from other people, our connections with other humans. And we receive it primarily through the face and the eyes. When somebody's excited to see you or happy to be around you, 
or when someone is expressing gratitude, not even it doesn't even have to be gratitude for you. It's not even have to be me saying I'm so thankful for you. Yeah, that is it. But it can just be me being thankful for anything. Thankful for God. The end of my prayer right there where I just thanked God for all different blessings in life. Like That can fill up your joy tank. That's the two main ways that you can fill up your joy tank. I'm kind of jumping ahead on my notes. It's gratitude and connection. But it's received through the face and the eyes. So your soul, we can see throughout Scripture, we're going to look at some verses, but your soul and your mind, they don't run off of happiness. They're not fueled by happiness. They are fueled by joy. So, if joy equals fuel, I feel like some of y'all's gas lights on. Right? You know what that means? Time to fill up. I don't keep going. Don't... Don't be like me when I, like for a long time, I thought that when that light comes on, I thought that meant like game on. How many miles can we get? I got 47 last time that baby came on. Let's see if we can get 49. Right? It's not a game. Titus just started, just got him a car, so he's driving. Titus is not a game. When the gas light comes on, get a little gas. But if joy is the fuel, then maybe that fuel light's on. Well, how often do I need to fill up my joy? Like, how much joy do I need in my tank? Because I get a little bit of joy. It's going to take a little sacrifice to stop and fill it up just like it does to fill up my truck. It takes a little sacrifice. Right? It takes some money. It takes some time. It takes the effort of finding where to get it. and all. Like, So, yeah, it's going to take a little sacrifice. So how much joy do I need? Well, depends on how far you want to go. It depends on how much work you want to do. Guess what? If I have a trailer loaded down, last two weeks ago I had a trailer loaded down with about 1,400 pounds of pigs on it. And I drove it all the way out past, like, from Talladega, past Talladega to here. Guess what? My truck burned a lot more gas than it would without that trailer full of pigs hooked to it. I burned a lot more gas, almost twice as much gas. Why? Because I was working it. I was pulling a heavy load. How much joy do I need? Depends on how much work you want to get done. Right? It, de- it depends on how much you want to advance the kingdom. Depends on how much of a light you want to be to your world. I want to be full. I want to stay full so that I have enough to give away. I, I want to stay full so I'm not sitting on the side of the road with a thumb out. Spiritually, hoping somebody else has enough joy to get me through today. I want to be the guy that's got my truck full and I got a couple tanks in the back. You lost your joy. You need your joy restored. I got some joy for you. I got a little bit of fuel for your brain. Some of y'all need it. (laughs) Me too. I don't want to run around on empty. So we got to get full. Where does it come from? 
Well, I just kind of jumped and, and told y'all, but joy comes from God. God gives us joy in our, our connection to God. But the way God designed it is we get joy from other people. We get joy through other people. And all these different studies that I read and the one I just talked to you about, they don't even believe in God, but they've, they can still figure out like where the joy comes from is from other people, from your connections, from somebody being happy to see you, somebody being grateful for you. It, joy does not come from stuff. You can have an awesome car and it could bring you temporary happiness. It can make you happy or make you smile because it's a sweet car, but it does not bring you joy. And when a storm comes or something bad happens, the car doesn't sustain you. Stuff doesn't give you joy. Stuff can only give you happiness. But happiness is here right now and gone. Happiness can be gone in a second. Stuff, guess what else? Circumstances don't give you joy. Right? Circumstances can bring you happiness. The right circumstance can make me real happy. And guess what? The wrong circumstance can make me real sad. Circumstances don't give you joy. God does. People do. So, how do we get full of it? Through staying connected to God and each other. Did you know, like I wanted to go off and preach this and um, some scriptures, and so maybe I will coming up, but with God you can find forgiveness. Right? We're saved by grace, and, and with God you find forgiveness, but with people is where you find healing. With people is where you find freedom. That's, there's a lot of, you can be saved and just me and Jesus, and that's all I need, and I don't need church, and I don't need community, and I don't need relationships, and you can live your whole life not healed, not free, in bondage. Walking around saved, going to heaven, loving Jesus, Jesus loving you, calling you his son or his daughter, but not walking in freedom because you're not willing to walk in relationship. And that's how God works. The economy of God is 100% relational. That's how we find our freedom. You know how to not find healing? Run away, disconnect. Together we heal. Together we grow. And together our joy is filled. John 15. This is, um, we're going to read, I'm going to start reading in verse 8. But John 15 is where, remember where Jesus was saying, I'm the vine and you're the branches. And, and if you're connected to me, then you'll bear much fruit. He's telling the disciples. He's teaching them this. And we've talked about that a lot, so I'm not going to read that whole thing. But Jesus is talking to the boys about producing fruit, about bearing fruit. And if you're mine, that's what you're going to do. You call yourself Jesus followers and Christians, and we should be producing fruit. 
And if Jesus is the vine or the source, you could say, if Jesus is the source and I'm connected to the source and you're connected to the source, guess what? We're all connected to each other too. We're all part. Paul would say, you know, one body with many members or however you want to say it, we're connected to each other. So where are we drawing our joy from? Oh, and there's always a charge to be connected. You know that? There's, it's, it's probably going to cost you something. Well, people are hard. There's a cost. What if there's a leak or a waste? It costs you more. Do you know Carol EMC gives me a connection that I like at my house? They give me power. But it costs me every month. They charge me for that connection. It's, it's cost. It's a sacrifice. And if I don't pay, guess what happens? I get disconnected. Why? Because I'm not paying the cost. Guess what? Sometimes being in community, sometimes being a part of church, sometimes being in relationship with people, it's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to be hard because people are hard. You're hard. I'm hard. We're all hard, hard, hard. Right? I mean, we can sing a song about it. It's going to cost you. It's going to be a sacrifice. And Jesus is saying, if you want to produce fruit, you got to stay connected. You've got to be connected to the source, which means you've got to be connected to each other. I just feel disconnected. Hmm. Maybe you forgot to pay. How do I pay? You invest. You invest in people. You add value to people. You bring life to people. Right? You show up on a Wednesday night and talk to somebody. You pray for somebody. You, you come this Tuesday night at 6 o'clock to the men's Bible study and hear what God's laid on Zach's heart. And at the end, if it's real good, we'll let you say what's on your heart. Or he will. He's in, I'm not even in charge. I'll just come and see what Zach's got to say. You know what that's about? It's, it, it's building relationships. It's growing. Yeah, it's growing spiritually. Right? Because we're going to read some Bible verses and you're going to grow spiritually. But to me, it's just it's equally as important that we build those relationships and make those connections and, and we look each other in the eyes. We're happy to be here and we fill up each other's joy tank. Right, so if all you do is come in here on Sunday morning and then you get your joy tank filled up in here on Sunday morning service, but then you don't do anything else, you're probably riding on E trying to make it till next Sunday morning. But if you showed up on Tuesday night or you met with somebody for breakfast one uh, Wednesday morning and then you came up here for fellowship and you prayed with a couple people and you told somebody how grateful you are for them and you, then you're running around full all week. Connection.
<laughs> Jesus is saying the cost of connection won't be greater than the fruit that will be produced out of this relationship. Did I? I started talking about the connections and I never read the verses. Let's read John 15. So Jesus said all that about the, the vine and the branches and the connection. And then listen to what he says. This is Jesus still talking. Herein is my Father glorified. That's how God's going to receive glory. That ye bear much fruit, a lot of fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. This is how they're going to tell that you're my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. What does that mean? Keep it going. You know, like paying it forward. He said, just like God loved me and now I loved you and I want you to keep loving people. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, what are your commandments? You shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you. That my joy might remain in you. And that your joy might be full. That my joy would remain in you and that your joy would be full. This is my commandment. In case you were wondering... Jesus is like, yeah, I told you, if you keep my commandments, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full. And in case you didn't know what my commandment was, I'm going to make it real simple. He had to make it simple for some of these disciples. So he said, here we go. This is my commandment. That you love God. That you love one another. He said, this is my commandment. Love each other. Well, how? As I've loved you. I want you to love each other the same way I loved you. You know how he loved us? First. While we were at our worst, Christ died for us, Romans says. He loved us before we ever loved Him. He loved us when we were running away. He loved us when we were spitting in His face. He loved us when we were addicted. He loved us when we were being abused or when we were the abuser. He loved us before we ever loved Him. And He says, I want you to love each other the same way I love you. Without condition. He would go on to say, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends, sacrifice for his friends. You are my friends. What does that mean? What, we're in relationship. If you do whatsoever, I command you. What did he command? Simple. Love each other. So joy is a fruit, right? Galatians 5.22, we're all familiar with it. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit, we're all supposed to be producing fruit, right? You know how you, fruit, you produce fruit? It comes out of intimacy. 
So if you are intimate with the Spirit, this is what will be evident in your life. This is the fruit that I should see if I look at your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. There it is. There's joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there's no law. He said, you can do these things as much as you want, and you're not going to get in trouble. There's nothing on this list that there's a law against. Oh, whoa, whoa, take it easy, brother. Not so much patience. You're getting a little offensive with the love. That'll be enough. No, Paul said, against the, there's no law. You can do as, many, as much as you want. How full can I fill my joy tank? He said, there's not a law. You can take as much as you want. Fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. Why? Because you're just going to be overflowing on everybody. And that's the point. That's what we're supposed to do. When you should have so much joy on you as a Jesus follower and as a Christ follower, if you're connected to God and you're connected to people the way you're supposed to be, there shouldn't be a place you go in that people don't notice. Even if they don't know God, they know something's different about Him. How, why is he, how is she that happy? Like I don't even understand. We're supposed to be producing fruit. Notice Paul said it's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruits. We like to separate it. Like love is a fruit of the Spirit. And joy is a different fruit of the Spirit. And patience is a different fruit of the Spirit. And if you look at it, Paul said, the fruit. Meaning it's all one thing. These, it's all different aspects of the fruit of being intimate with the Spirit. But I can't grow in love and patience and not joy. And I've heard people say things that just is not true. Oh, I'm not gifted in that area. I'm not gifted in the area of patience. Right? It's not a gifting, it's a fruit. If you're a Christian, you have all these things. Now, we all have different giftings and callings and talents, but we're all supposed to love. We're all supposed to have fruit. Like, we can all have joy. So don't, well, I'm just not a joyful person like Journey. I like to be a jerk because that's what I'm called to be. Bull It's a fruit, not a gifting. <laughs> right? It's a fruit, not a calling. We all have joy or can. We all have access to it. So don't take that cop out. Like, that's just not the kind of person I am. I'm just not a joyful person. I don't even smile in pictures. I like to look tough. I'm not talking about you, Titus. So if you're growing spiritually, you're getting more joy. Your joy's getting bigger. Because joy is a fruit. 
Joy is an inner feeling. Joy comes from the inside, not what's going on out here. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Now, happiness can come as a result of an inward joy. You can pursue happiness, but joy is something you choose. Now, we've talked a lot about love being a choice, and I've preached, I think, a whole message on that, about love being a choice. It's not just a feeling, and your feelings will follow, but you choose to love, right? Well, guess what? Joy is a fruit right next to love. Love, joy. Love, joy. They're right next to each other. It's a choice, too. You choose joy. You don't just feel it. I mean, you do feel it, but it's a choice. You can choose joy. Now, it says in my notes to read Galatians 5.22, which I already jumped ahead and read y'all. So, we'll skip that. Although joy does feel better with a happy smile, joy can share space with other emotions. If you can go watch that movie, Inside Out, and it'll really help explain it to you. Cartoon. <laughs> a really good cartoon. And me and Jesse talked about it this past week. She watched it with the House of Cherith ladies. And uh, it, it tied into the message. But you, you can see in that movie that joy can share space with other emotions, like sadness and fear and anger. Even unhappiness, joy can share space. Happiness can't. Happiness can't share spaces with those other emotions. Happiness isn't present in darkness or difficulty. It leaves you. When a storm hits, happiness is gone. Joy's not. Joy can exist when you're angry. Joy can exist when you're afraid. Joy can exist in your deepest, darkest sadness. Like in the middle of loss. Joy's still there. Joy's supposed to be running things. Remember, joy is the fuel that keeps your brain and your soul going. Joy brings peace and patience and love with it because it's all part of the same piece of fruit. And it can bring all that into an unhappy situation. In its truest expression, joy transforms difficult times into blessings and turns heartache into gratitude. Joy brings meaning to life. It, it brings life to life. Joy. It brings an ordinary moment. It makes it worth it and meaningful. They did a study that proved if you write down five things that you're grateful for every day, that you will be 25% happier 
in your life just by writing down five things that you're grateful for. It's the whole gratitude aspect. Um, Louis Giglio preached like a whole series on how gratitude will fill up your joy tank. Go listen to it, and then I don't have to preach it. Right. So it's your connection to God and to people and gratitude. And you're 25% happier if you write down five things, but much, much more even off the charts if you tell someone five things that you're grateful for every day. You tell somebody that you're grateful for them. It is, it is scientifically proven that gratitude is a pathway to joy. I want you to think about that. Not even talking about scripturally, biblically, scientifically proven that gratitude is a pathway to joy. So think about this. If I'm at the cabin and I want to go down to the lake, the lake is joy. Gratitude is a pathway to joy. Well, the first time I go down there, there might be a bunch of stuff growing up and tree limbs and there might be snakes and I might have to, it might be hard for me to come up with enough gratitude to get to joy. How hard is it going to be to get to joy? It depends on how long it's been since you've been there. If you ain't cut the grass, you let all these weeds grow up, you haven't been to joy in a long time, so there's no path left. It's going to take a minute. It's going to take you some time. But guess what? Just like the lake down here, if I start going down there every day and walking on the same path, same path, and every time a limb or something falls in my way, I clear it out of the way, it's easy. In fact, it takes almost no effort to get to the lake. Same with joy. So if I make patterns of gratitude in my mind and in my brain and every day and I, I write down things and I tell people that I'm grateful for them and I, I thank God, you know, that's what praise is. It's just being grateful and thankful and praising God for who He is and how awesome He is and everything that He's given you. And that's praise. That's why we're commanded to, to praise and worship. And, and if I form these patterns of gratitude, it's a pathway to joy. So if you tell me you don't have much joy, my first question would be maybe you don't have much gratitude. Maybe you're just seeing the bad in every situation and you're not finding things to be grateful for. Maybe you're just picking out the bad in every relationship and you're not finding the good things that you could be grateful for in that relationship. So that relationship doesn't bring me any joy. Well. Maybe you've not taken the time to find some good things and to be grateful for that person. Be grateful for that relationship. Gratitude is the pathway to joy. Ecclesiastes 4, 9. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the fool or the man 
who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And God said in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. Isolation leads to loneliness, and fear, and negative self-esteem. Isolation leads to depression. You know, in looking at all of these studies and, and studying on this this week on joy and stuff, the time that you need joy the most, right, when you're in such a deep, dark mental place or right when you're depressed or you're it's those times where you're completely empty of joy you don't have joy you can't think of things that you're grateful for you and what do you want to do the most go into a dark place and not connect with people right and think about all the things you're not grateful for that's where you want to go when you're depressed or when you're having these mental issues or when your joy is low you want to run away from the things that you really need what you need to do is connect with God and people. You need to practice gratitude. You need to choose. That's how you choose joy. That's how you make that choice is you choose. I don't feel like it. I feel like turning off the lights and laying in my bed and thinking about everything that's wrong and broken in the world and with me. And But so what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to get up and go connect with some people. And I'm going to choose gratitude. Because that's how I practically choose joy. That's how I do it. That's how I choose joy is I choose to connect with God and other humans. And I choose to be grateful for breath in my lungs. And I bet I can think of something else to be grateful for. Just give me a minute. I promise you can. We choose joy. Two are better than one. Because if you fall down, they can help you up. If you get cold, they can warm you up. So, there's joy fillers. His presence, being in God's presence. Scripture tells us that in His presence, there is fullness of joy. So if you're having a hard time finding joy, get in his presence. Because David said there's fullness of joy there. So if you just get in his presence, there's plenty of joy to fill your tank. So joy fillers are his presence and gratitude and human connection. It's how you can fill your tank. And that's what's going to fuel your mind. It's going to fuel your soul. Joy killers. Isolation offense you know the people just run around offended all the time I'm offended about this and that and she did this and I he did that and the the sleepy Joe took this and that like all the I mean <laughs> you get offended that kills joy let's be joy fillers not joy killers I don't want to be a, you, ever, you remember that? They call you a killjoy. Don't be a killjoy. Don't be the kind of person that when 
You know those kind of people that can just light up a room when they leave? <laughs> Don't be that person. Right? <laughs> Don't be that kind of person. Be the one that lights up the room when you come in because you got so much joy. You got joy, joy on tap. You're just giving it out. I don't even think I'll, I'll read it. I was going to read you guys the story of Zacchaeus. I'm, Zacchaeus. The story of Lazarus. Close. Um, Zacchaeus, Lazarus, I don't know. <laughs> Little guy. The, Z, I don't know how I got that confused. All right, so I was going to read you all that story of Lazarus, but I'm just going to tell it to you real quick. Um, Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Him and his two sisters were friends with Jesus. And they came, and they sent a messenger. You guys know the story. They came to Jesus and said, Hey, Lazarus is sick. The one that you love is sick. Can you come and heal him? And Jesus just like hung around for a couple more days and went, and he died. He was gone. Mary and Martha were upset. And Jesus showed up and said, The sickness is not unto death. And they're like, You idiot, he's dead. And she's crying. His sister's like crying. And Jesus said, I told you, it will not end in death. And they're like, well, it already did. Because as humans, we think death is the end. And Jesus knew death wasn't the end. It's not over. Like the story's not over just because he's dead. She said, I know he's going to come back one day, but he did one day in the resurrection. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Take me to the tomb. And Jesus went to the tomb and and a couple things I just wanted to point out about the story was they went to the tomb and Jesus said, roll away the stone. Right? They couldn't raise Lazarus from the dead. They couldn't even heal him from a sickness. But you know what they could do? Roll away the stone. So Jesus said, I'll tell you what. Y'all do what y'all can do. Roll away the stone. Let's see if y'all walk in some obedience, even if you think it's crazy. And so they rolled away the stone. They did what they could do. And then Jesus says, Lazarus. And I thought it was cool that he said Lazarus, he, like he called him by name. And I was thinking, like, that's a good point, that Jesus knows your name. Even in, even in your darkest hour, even in death, he can call you from death to life, and he knows your name. He personally knows you, and I believe that. But then I was thinking, well, Jesus, he is the resurrection and the life, so he had to be specific because, you know, they were probably in a graveyard, and if he just said, come forth, all of them would have came back alive. And so he had to be specific. Only Lazarus, come forth. The rest of them are in their graves like, dang it. I'm just kidding. They weren't in their graves. I'm just being stupid. All right. So he got specific and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And so it's a really weird story. Like we read it and we know it. And we've heard this Bible story. But Lazarus comes out and he's like mummified, wrapped up in all these garments that they would they would anoint them with oils and then they would wrap them up in all these garments and their faces, it says his face was covered with a napkin and wrapped up and all, that's, that's how they did it, right? And so he says, Lazarus, come forth. And they were like, oh no, he stinketh. 
King James says, he, he stinketh. And he comes walking out like a mummy. So he's been brought from death to life, but he's not free. He's been brought from death to life, but he can't speak. He's been brought from death to life, and he can't be a witness for Jesus. He's been brought from death to life, and he can't walk out the call that's on his new life. What's it going to take? Jesus said, hey, y'all, unwrap him. Go read it. It's John 11. You can read it. That'll be your homework this week, so make sure I'm not lying to you. Jesus told the people that were close to him to unwrap him. Even though he was already stinking. You know, that's what salvation is, is that we were brought from death to life. But then you're going to need some people close to you to help you walk in freedom. They're going to have to unwrap you. Because you got some some chains and some grave clothes on you and you got some stuff that stinks. You got some dirty places and you got some things that are going to need to be unwrapped. How long did it take them to unwrap him? We have no idea. I don't know. For some people, it takes a really long time to get unwrapped. So don't get weary in unwrapping people. Keep on unwrapping because you needed somebody to unwrap you. And you still probably do. That's part of relationship. That's part of working out our salvation is that that we go from death to life and now to walk in freedom, we're going to need other people. To have that joy and to run around full of joy and to be producing fruit, we're going to need other relationships, other people that will hear the call from Jesus when He says, help Him walk in freedom, that they're going to start unwrapping you. And they're not going to say anything when it stinks. Why? Because joy is just grateful that you're alive. And joy is just grateful that you're out of the grave. I don't care if it stinks a little bit. (laughs) He was dead. He's alive. And I'm his friend. I'm going to help. If I'm Lazarus, man, I'm glad I got people around me that were willing to unwrap me. If you go on and read the, the story of Lazarus, it's crazy. Like all the Jews that were there that day, they believed in Jesus The Bible says, because of Lazarus. And then you read other places in Scripture that these giant crowds were showing up after that to see Jesus because of Lazarus. Not because of Jesus. And the Pharisees decided that they had to not only put Jesus to death, but they decided, we better put Lazarus to death too because he's... He's reaching as many or more people. He's converting more people than Jesus. We don't even have one word recorded that Lazarus said. We don't have a message that he preached. We don't have a sermon. I mean, most people, at least we got a little something out of them. And this was like Jesus is arguably his best friend. Maybe John was a little closer, but we read through. He was like, 
listed as a friend of Jesus, and he didn't have one good thing to say. Not one thing that was worth any of the four gospel writers even writing down, and Lazarus said no. His life was an unspoken sermon that was more powerful than... What did he do? He just went from death to life to freedom. And it was such a witness to everybody that was around. And even to people that weren't there, they just heard the story about how a man went from death to life to freedom. And they wanted it. That's what we're called to be. It's what we're called to do. He brought us from death to life. And in relationship, we find our freedom. As we connect and we're grateful. Colossians 3.15 and we're done. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with God. No. Keep you in tune with each other. In step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. There it is. There's the gratitude and the connections. Don't go off and do your own thing. Cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your life, and words and actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. Just looking grateful. Overflowing with joy. He said, this is what you're supposed to look like. You're supposed to be connected to people. And just cultivating gratitude. Just overflowing with every... Just overflowing with thankfulness every step of the way. That's what we're supposed to look like. That's joy. God, thank you. God, thank you for joy that's not dependent on circumstances. It's, it's not dependent on whether things are going good or going bad. Or We thank you for a joy that remains. Thank you for fruit. God, thank you for relationship. First of all, with you, number one, but thanks for relationship with each other, with humans. Help us to forgive. Help us to love like you do. Help us to look like you, Dad. Thanks for all that you've given us. Thanks for everything that you do for us. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.